The Mariners get up off the canvas and score a Rocky-like knockout in Texas. The best gambling scandal you haven't heard of in an interview with a Mariners fan who decided that Jesse Winker deserved a pizza after he took on the entire Angels dugout. Good morning. It's the most punctual podcast in America, the dang apostrophe. I know when you ask me about these injuries and, and, and I give you my thoughts, if you really want to figure it out, I think Danny O'Neill has the best uh, translations for me. That's right, Pete. I hear what you're putting down. Man, we're less than a month from here and from that man at the start of training camp. Good morning. It is Friday, July 15th. Actually, I shouldn't say good morning because it might be afternoon. It might be evening. Good whatever it is where you happen to be listening to this podcast. I'm going to beg you to subscribe, rate, and review. I'm excited about what I'm putting together here, and we do have a little bit different of an episode today because uh, most people know that I'm a fan of hip-hop, at least most people that are listening to this, because I don't think anybody's out there scrolling through podcasts and like, hmm, I'd like to listen to some true crime. What is this dang apostrophe? Like, I think most of the people that wind up here know who I am. What you may not know is that while in high school in Santa Cruz County, I was a big fan of jam bands, which is another way of saying that me and my friends did drugs. Yeah, fish. Blues Traveler, Spin Doctors for a little while until they got their Taco Bell commercial and then we decided that they sold out. But yeah, into jam bands. And that's going to become pertinent here in just a second because the Mariners game last night, look, they've won 10 in a row. And when they go down 4 nothing, two innings in and Marco Gonzalez has thrown 50 pitches, you're thinking it's just not their night. Good. Congratulations. You got the longest, the team's longest winning streak in 20 years. But yeah, it's probably going to end right here and right now. And that's no shame in that game. But it, it appeared to not be in the cards for the Mariners yet. What do they do? They steadily, that's not even steadily. They get an inside the park home run, but then they scratch. They come back and score five runs. They come back and score five runs in over the final three innings, two in the seventh. And then they had a three more in the eighth and all of a sudden they run out of Texas They're first of a four game series and they've got an 11 game lead and here's where the jam bands come in because I was thinking about what is the sort of mantra or the sound what is the and I was like they're they're undead right like that you can't put this team down like they, yeah they'll go three and eight on a crucial homestand and we'll put the fork in and say that the tines are all the way stuck in their rump because they are done this season is sunk, and all they do after that is go on and run, reel off a run that is now 19 wins in 22 games. They're not, they weren't dead last night. I pronounced it. And the first thing I thought was Billy Crystal's part in the movie The Princess Bride, which is one of my favorites. The, he's only mostly dead. I've used that a fair number of times before. In fact, Princess Bride, one of my top five movies of all time. In fact... When I was going through my mom's things, we had to sort through her stuff three years ago when, when she passed away, I found in her library was a paperback copy of The Princess Bride by William Golding or Goldman. I always get it screwed up. I believe it's Golding because Goldman wrote Lord of the Flies. So I think it's William Golding, who is actually a very, very successful writer. It's a paperback. And my mom... There was a, you could send away for an alternate ending. 
So tucked in this paperback copy of The Princess Bride from the 1970s is an alternate ending. It's one of the coolest things. I, I do still have that book of my mom. So I'm tempted to use The Princess Bride, but I decide no. No. I've, I've, gone, I've gone to that well too many times before. Then I think of the Ironborn from Game of Thrones because, yeah, I like the dragon show. In fact, I read all the books, even though that lazy, the, the, the lazy so-and-so hasn't written through the series that's now already aired on TV. I thought of the Ironborn from the Iron Islands. That which is dead can never die. They pray to the drowned god, then drown each other as some sort of act of ritual becoming of a man. Like They're, they're, they're tough, but they're absolute freaks. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. That which is dead can never die. And the Mariners are this zombie team that get up off the mat this season, that get up off the mat yesterday. And then, and then there was a refrain from the jazz, the jam band days. There was something, and it wasn't, it wasn't in the song I thought it was. The group Blues Traveler, frontman John Popper played the harmonica. I thought the refrain, where he starts saying, "I'm not dead," no, 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 I'm not dead. I thought that was from Sweet Pain from their Travelers and Thieves album. It's a double disc set. Told you, I was into the jam bands. I've probably seen them in concert five times. I've also seen Popper perform the national anthem before the Seahawks-Tennessee Titans game, and I think it's 2016. <laughs> yeah, that happened, so that was weird. Uh, the, the, the national anthem performed by Harmonica, not nearly as cool as I remember John Popper back in the days when I liked jam bands, though that might have to do with drug intake. It was from the album Save His Soul. It's called Go Outside and Drive, and that prompted me to weave it together with a Mariner's highlight reel here at the Dang Apostrophe. That's right, you're going to have to tell me how you, how you like this one as it goes. Tonight was a little bit different than our normal formula. Our normal formula has certainly been consistent and really awesome starting pitching, and Marco struggled tonight. He really struggled in the first couple innings to find any rhythm, uh, and they were on him. Down the line, this is a fair ball to the base of the wall in the corner. Semyon quickly making his way to third base. He's being held. No, they're waving him home. He's stopped. Now here's the throw to the plate. The tag, not in time. Two batters into the ball game for the Rangers. They have taken a one nothing lead. Um, certainly he's pitched against them a couple different times this year. And This is into left field. Winker will have to play this as it hits high off the wall on a bounce. Seager scores. Garcia Stands up at third base as Heim drives in a run with a stand-up double. Some hard contact by the Rangers here in the first inning. It's 2-0 Texas. And uh, they were on the, the changeup, the breaking balls. They were ready to go on the soft stuff. So little more on to first base. Run scores. That is Garcia. That's the first out of the inning. Third run already for the Rangers. He made adjustment, uh, fortunate for us, because we were light in our bullpen tonight. He, he was able to get through six innings, which really allowed us, um, and keep it somewhat close. Things could still work out for me as long as I'm not dead. As long as I'm not As long as I'm, I'm, I'm not dead. Into center. And it's beyond underneath the glove of Tavares. Haggerty can't fly. He is on his way. This might happen. He's going to third. He's getting waved home. Sam Haggerty scores on an inside the park home run. Uh, I'm not, I'm not dead. No, I'm not dead. 
Lined out to left field, base hit. Haggerty scores. Julio's coming home. He strides to the plate and scores standing. A. Eugenio Suarez puts two across. It's a two-out, two-run single, and the Mariners put a dent in that Rangers lead. 5-3 Texas in the seventh. No, I'm, I'm not dead. Into left field. Toro's coming home to tie. Here is Haggerty. He pedals home. Haggerty slides. Ty France. He strikes again. You need a clutch hit. Call Ty France. It's a 6-5 Mariners lead in the eighth inning. Told you. Jam band fan. That's right. Little blues traveler. So I don't know if that was worthwhile or not. Not sure if that was interesting, but the game was incredible. And the Mariners continue to roll. They won 19-3. and Are they going to really go into the All-Star break? I saw this from uh, one, of, one of my favorite followers on Twitter, Robert Jamison. He said, are they going to go into the All-Star break on a 14-game heater? Are they really going to ride a 14-game heater into the All-Star break? I certainly hope so. It'll be very, very fun to see that, and it is an incredible ride. We're going to be talking to a Mariner fan who was – she 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 rose to prominence uh, on Mariner's Twitter, and I don't want to say that she became a Mariner's fan because her fandom dates back to 1991. So this isn't this isn't someone who is who is new to the team, uh, but she ordered a pizza for Jesse Winker after he was ejected following the fight with the Angels and the the pizza, thanks to an enterprising DoorDash deliverer, was delivered to him at the stadium, which was exceptionally cool. We'll talk to her, but I also wanted to share. It's it's been the favorite thing that I've stumbled across this week. We get the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal delivered to our apartment, and they're incredible papers. They're also national papers, which means that you don't really have local sports sections in either one. And I like the sports sections, and I like the stories that are in there, but they're not they're not local. And you get, because of that, sometimes some incredibly hilarious stories. Like yesterday, I was reading it, and tell me if you heard this headline, you wouldn't. You, I don't care a thing about cricket. But I could not wait to read this story. It really wasn't cricket. The strange case of the fake Indian Premier League. It's fascinating. The bats and balls were real, but not much else was authentic in what officials said was an elaborate scheme to dupe Russian gamblers through hoax games streamed on YouTube. <laughs> and the story, the story is incredible. So there's a group of guys in India who organize cricket games they get the players uniforms so they look like teams from the indian premier league it's a global sport but it's also a sport that people love to bet on and so that that plays a part in the story so you've got this this world class cricket league that attracts betting and you have these guys in india and this is like points for the hustle here because they decide we could stage games. We could stage games and get people to bet on these games. So, I mean, that's really, they've got a field in this remote village. They get higher villagers, unemployed village boys and construction workers. They, 
they put him in uniforms that look like the India Premier League teams. They even hire somebody who lives hundreds of miles away who can imitate the famous announcer, a very renowned cricket announcer, and I will admit that his name was not familiar to me, but then again, I don't watch any cricket. So it should come as no surprise. Harsha Bogle is the name of the famous Indian cricket commentator. And they get somebody that can sounds like him. They use audio files to create fake crowd noise. And they, they, they broadcast these games on YouTube from this village in India. And the games, there's umpires with walkie-talkies. And it's being communicated to them what is to happen in the game. So it's essentially performance art. And they're taking bets at a series of bars in Russia. Like, it's not, this is not a, a worldwide, they didn't get on satellite or something. They're streaming these games on YouTube, which are being played via YouTube in the bar, and Russians are betting on them. Now, presumably, Russians are betting with the bartender. That's the only way I could figure this, this would work, though it's possible there's some sort of gambling account that they're using like it it sounded to me though that there's a there were several bars in Russia that were taking bets on games that they were streaming over the television because I don't know how you'd get someone to log on to YouTube and think that they were watching a real cricket match and be trustworthy trust that enough to bet on it this must have been degenerate gamblers in bars in Russia who are betting on the game that they're seeing on TV, which is actually a YouTube stream. The fake league started its its games about three weeks after the real league wrapped up. The league itself, the actual India Premier League, has not addressed this. The scam they were alerted to because a local police officer near this village was like, hey, man, there's there's people playing these cricket games with these big floodlights at odd times, and it seems weird. This doesn't seem normal. Because they were playing the games at the time that the Russians were drinking, not according to local time. It's freaking hilarious. Like, I, I read I read through it. So they, they've arrested four people. I, I, will, I will say that the fake Mr. Bogle the fake the fake indian cricket announcer he was not he was arrested but he's been released but the guys that were running this scam and it just the appetite to bet on things is is hilarious to me that you would bet on something that you don't even the you're not a cricket fan like you don't even know when the actual season starts and stops you see something on tv that you're then encouraged to and feel compelled to bet on it and maybe I shouldn't be surprised by the level of degenerate gambling that goes on but I still was like it was it was my favorite and I was thinking about how how you could do you you would have to not even you would have to be such a poor cricket fan that you couldn't even recognize that 24 villagers were playing this instead of the top flight professionals you had to be so ignorant of the level of play in cricket and what an actual cricket match looks like would be the easiest sport to fake in the US? What would be the easiest to create a fake game? I think soccer. 
I think soccer is where you would have the best chance. There's not a ton of goals because man, basketball, I'm telling you right now, I could I could tell I could tell the difference between I could tell the difference between uh, a college game, like a small college, like an NAIA game and 24 schlubs from the local Y. Like I'd, I'd be able to tell the different level of play there. I, and certainly the NBA. I, I, I think I could differentiate between an NCAA game and an NBA game just by the caliber of play, just, just by the style of play. But soccer, like, I don't know. It, could I, would I mistake a high school soccer match for an MLS match? I, I don't know if I have, I don't know if I'm as fine tuned. Although I can tell MLS isn't as good as the Premier League. Like I watch both of those. So, so maybe, maybe I'm more discerning than I give myself credit for. But I would say if you're going to, the, the, the sport, the sport league that you could most likely fake in the U.S. is soccer. Well, now we're going to pivot to the interview. Joining us on the dang apostrophe now is Sophie Ballgame. Uh, Sophie Dill is, is her name, and she is someone who I don't want to say rocketed to prominence because that implies that you weren't a baseball fan or part of Mariner's Twitter before, but you may have heard of Sophie or seen her Twitter account. The day of the brawl between the Mariners and the Angels Sophie, is it fair to say, like, identified as the lady who ordered Jesse Winker a pizza? Yeah, yeah, I've been getting that a lot. I think that's perfect. <laughs> uh, I'd like to go back to, to your initial reaction when you saw the fight happen, because I've, I've admitted I've got a, it's a weakness. It's not great. Like, I, I, I like baseball fights a lot. I know I shouldn't. It's immature, but, but I do. What was your reaction when you saw the fight start? Um, and there was so much tension leading up to it that it wasn't, it wasn't a surprise, but, uh, I just remember my Twitter blowing up before all this, I, I had like a small family of, of people that I tweeted with and, and it just blew up. It seemed like everybody was watching it. And, um, looking back on it, that was a fantastic moment, but you know, I was just kind of like, Oh boy, here we go. What prompted you to decide how how did you think of the idea of ordering Jesse a pizza? So I uh, I was watching Rudy Sports and they weren't very clear on who all got ejected. So I just saw a pinch runner come in for Wink, thinking there's no way that he's not going to be ejected. He is, and so I'm just imagining him just back in the clubhouse all alone, you know, just just chilling on his on his phone on a couch or whatever. I didn't know that Skip and JP and I can't remember who else was ejected as well. Um, so I, I see a lot of tweets saying, and I hope Jesse's having a good beer back in the clubhouse right now. So I just thought, you know what goes good with a beer is the pizza. And so I just thought this was going to be a cheap joke. I got a small pepperoni. I pulled up DoorDash. I looked for all the pizza places around. I found one that isn't a national chain, and that's what was important to me. And I thought, this is going to be a good joke for the people who follow me. We'll all get a good laugh about it. And uh, and I just sent it. Now, if you had to guess the probability that Jesse Winker would get that pizza, what percentage would you have put it at at the time? You Zero percent. Zero percent. Zero percent. That's why I got a small, I got small pepperoni, the most basic of pizza and thinking there's no, there's absolutely no way. 
So I ordered the thing. And uh, then I, I don't know if you've ever ordered through DoorDash, but you can see the whole, they give you updates on the whole thing. And you can also text with the driver while the delivery is happening. So I get a text from Simranjit, the driver, and he says, hey, Sophie, I'm on my way. And I thought, oh my God, he has pizza. He hasn't, he doesn't recognize the address. And so I text back and I said, great, thank you. I'm 1600 miles away, but this is going to Angel Stadium. He says for the visitors clubhouse, say it's for Jesse Winker. Just take it to any ticket gate. And they should be able to take it from you. And I thought, okay, if there's any chance of this happening, but you know, those instructions are about the best that I can do. Thinking that he's about to terminate this thing. He thinks it's a prank. Um, and so the longest five minutes of my life go by before he replies and says, sounds great. I'll be there in, in a little bit. And I thought, oh, my God, this might actually work. So at this point, the tweet, the initial tweet has blown up far past just about any any normal tweet that I have ever done. It's getting thousands of likes. And I just have all this pressure to, to follow through on it. And it wasn't until he got to gate six and I could like see his location go inside the stadium into gate six. And at this point, I had been tweeting the mirrors. I'd been tagging them in just about anything, thinking if this has any chance of it happening, that we're going to need a clubby or one of the amazing social media people over there. And I said, he is at gate six. If you're, if you're following up with us, I don't know if you are. He is at gate six. When did you know it worked? He sent me a message that said, it's been delivered. <laughs> so this and... is Samranjit, Sam the, the delivery driver. Yeah, yeah. Samranjit, yeah, he sent me a message saying, it's been delivered. Thanks. So, okay. At this point, I, uh, I sent him a text and I said, wait, don't go just yet, please. Um, I don't know how much longer I'm going to be able to text you, but I've got a ton of people who are asking for your Venmo. They want to tip. And so he said, I don't have a Venmo. Then uh, I just get this 10 digit number. And then the connection is terminated. And I thought, is this his phone number? Uh -huh. So I texted and I said, is this Simranji? He said, is this Sophie? I said, yes, yes, it worked. Okay, please set up a Venmo, a cash app, anything. I've got people who want to tip you. So about 10 minutes later, he is. I'm sitting in, on the side of the street in my car because I'm going to play baseball with friends as I was scheduled to do before all of this happened. But he eventually sends me over his, his Venmo. And I asked him, I said, are you sure about this? I'm about to put your name out there. You know, this is going on Twitter. Are you sure? Your, your name is your, is your Venmo name. And he said, yeah, that's no problem. So I put it out there on Twitter, get thousands of likes immediately. Uh, people are saying that he's already got 150 tips on Venmo. And oof. so he and I talked a couple hours after all this happened. Yeah. And, uh, I said, I said, what what happened? He said, I thought you had five or ten people who wanted to tip me. He said, I set up my Venmo and I put my wife's email address on it. And I'm out here driving and my wife is texting me asking why her phone is blowing up. <laughs> so um, 
And I also asked him, I said, when you saw that it was going to Angel Stadium, have you ever, have you ever sent a, a, a have you ever made, made a delivery there? He said, no, I've never been to Angel Stadium. And I felt really bad because when I got there, I had trouble finding parking. And I just cracked up at that. I'm like, bro, it's a day game <laughs> on a Sunday. Of course there's no parking. <laughs> but he said that he brought it to a ticket gate and they seemed like they were expecting him. So I don't know if a clubby or somebody from the M social media went and got, you know, on the radio and said, hey, this, you know, this joke is happening. And they sent him to this guard shack. And he literally handed the pizza over a fence to to a guard at the players parking, the VIP parking. And uh, and they they brought it to him and it worked. (laughs) And uh, and I have no idea how. It's so I, uh, oh, go ahead. No, no. Oh, I, uh, well, I got, well, okay. Well, this needs closure as if it got to him because, uh, Wink is not on Twitter. He's not going to be able to tweet me. So I get on my Instagram and I, I sort of, uh, screenshot of the tweet on my story and I said, Hey, Wink, you've got a pizza waiting for you. So immediately after I put up that story, I get a DM from Wink and he says, Hey, Sophie, I got the pizza. I really appreciate it. And I am still parked on the side of the road and I'm just screaming in my car. All of this, all of this was just too much to, I did I don't even think I processed what had just happened. I don't even think I knew that it would blow up as much as it did. It's a really funny story. And I think what <laughs> I think what I like most about it is that we think about because the experience of rooting for a professional team like we feel a camaraderie and a kinship both with the players and with the other fans, I think. And, but there's a distance that's there. And I think what I thought was, and what I got excited about seeing your tweet and realizing what was happening was that it's, there are ways to make connections and here, here you are 1600 miles away watching your favorite team and then saying, hey, maybe I can do this. And it all comes together and there's these connections that are forged. And all these other people like me who really don't have anything to do with the story actually feel like we do because we're watching it happen. It was, I don't know how to, it made me me really happy. Like the story actually like buoyed my spirits. I'm like, oh man, that's so awesome. (laughs) Yeah, I'm, I'm so happy that I reached so many people. And I've got uh, that is the universal response to this. And that that to me is what I want to preserve. It's so funny, too, because it's happened at this high point. Like that was part of the start of this incredible turnaround so far in the season. And I don't don't know where it will go. But being a Mariner fan isn't is it hasn't necessarily been easy. And. Getting, getting, having that happen in this season. Those are, those are some of the things that you have to really embrace and enjoy. Yeah. I mean, we have to come up with stuff like that. You know, we have to occupy ourselves (laughs) during these painful years. I mean, last few years have been nice, but we've lived through some years on on Twitter. You just kind of have to embrace the silly stuff. Now, one of the other things I saw on your Twitter account, this was maybe earlier this this week or, or last week was you've your tweet got enough attention that you've now kind of moved into the mansplaining portion 
Um, oh gosh! Yeah. <laughs> everybody who wants oh, to God. explain to you, and you made the point. I think it was 1991 when you became a Mariners fan. You watched it was yes. Griffey Junior. Griffey Senior. And that was about I, the first Mariners game I went to. I went back and looked it up. It was 1990. And the overall experience of being a Mariners fan, like there have been some incredible highs and been able to see some great players. There's also been suffering and like an extended <laughs> absence from the playoffs. Have you ever thought about not being a Mariners fan? And it's been... So I grew up in Washington. Mm-hmm. Uh, until 10th grade and then my family moved me back down here to Arkansas and uh, until MLB TV it was not easy to watch the Mariners at all I mean their streaming did just didn't exist back then and so you just kind of had to go with whatever you could see and during those years I did you know um, a lot of people around here and in Arkansas where it's really it's kind of like this void of, of markets. We're blacked out from four different MLB teams because they all have a presence here. Both the Missouri teams and both the Texas teams, you probably see them represented on fans pretty equally. <clears throat> and I just I didn't I didn't I didn't like that idea. I'd still mm-hmm. follow them online, but even if I couldn't watch it. But I did, you know, kind of, you know, get swept up in like you know, the Red Sox. Everybody was rooting for them around, you know, two thousand four, two thousand seven. And, you know, I did kind of, you know, dabble in that just because it was available to watch on TV. But you can't really get this fan base elsewhere. And that's where the magic of it is to me. Yeah. Is this camaraderie. We all live through this this pain and, and misery. And it, there's no fair weather in fans. No. You know, there's no, there's none at all. We... Who, who's going to be a fair weather M's fan? There's hardly any. It's it's rainy, you know, like there's no fair weather. But and you can't really find that in any other fan base. And I see all these fans down here, and they are just kind of rooting for the team of the season. Yeah. When the Seahawks won the Super Bowl, you saw all these Seahawks hats popping up everywhere. Yes. And. Um, I, I used to I used to reasonably be, be able to approach somebody and ask, "Hey, are you from Washington?" They usually say, "Yeah, yeah, I grew up in Lakewood." But now it's just you know, no, they're just my team, and that's a big turnoff for me. Well, Sophie, I'm really grateful for you spending the time um, talking. Yeah, I I love the story, and I think it's I think it's an awesome aspect of community building, which which I think is the thing I like most about sports is that we are kind of all pulled together from all these different spots, a lot of times across different ge- geographic regions. I think it's so yeah. cool how it came together. Plus, plus you, <laughs> you made you kind of you made this incredible experience kind of out of just a, a wild idea and ended up getting Jesse Winker a pizza. Uh, a delivery driver from DoorDash, a huge, big, fat tip that he could have never imagined and, <laughs> and made thousands of people who saw the story smile of like, oh, that's so cool. And kind of a day that was already unforgettable because of the fight, even more unforgettable. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. I very much appreciate that. That means a lot. That concludes this episode of the Dang Apostrophe. Hopefully the Mariners will not have lost by the next time we talk. 
Please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Like the apostrophe on my last name, it's going to keep. Hanging around, hanging around. Kids got alligator blood. Can't get rid of him. I'm not going anywhere. Nope. Well, not in the long term. In the short term, though, enjoy your weekend. Then more shine land. Shut up, Danny.